Well, good morning, Christchurch. I'm really excited today to be bringing this series uh, on David to, to a close. Uh, I'm going to be talking today from chapters 1 and 2 of the book of 1 Kings. And I'm going to particularly be concentrating on the beginning of chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Uh, and as we come to the end of this series on David's life, the title of this morning's presentation is passing on the baton well. Now, I don't know about you, uh, if you've been thinking about things in lockdown, about what actually would be happening now. Uh, well, one of my favourite things that happens every four years would be happening now, the Olympics would be on. I absolutely adore the Olympics. Lynn, she likes to watch the gymnastics, but the one thing that we do like to watch together is the relay races. Now, to take part in a, a relay race, the athletes spend hours and hours practicing their, with their coaches on how to do the changeover of the baton. You know, a, a sprinter's coming along and he holds out the baton and they have to practice and work out where it is that that runner has to get to before they set off from their mark and then they run and their hand goes out the back and the runner coming behind places it into their hand and when it goes into their hand that should be just at their moment before they reach their furthest mark and they're sprinting away at top speed towards the next guy or to the finishing line. Dropping it and picking it up probably a thousand times as they're practicing this. And they do it again and again until they've got it right. And they've, they've set their marks. The guy comes and off he goes. Whoa, it's clockwork. But sometimes they get it wrong. And if you go to YouTube and put in the men's 4x100 relay for the Beijing Olympics for the USA team, you'll see where it went dramatically wrong. The USA, they were the clear favourites for the gold medal. But in heat one, they went off. And as it changed from the third runner to the final runner, they dropped the baton. And of course, in a relay race, if anybody drops the baton, well, that's the end of the race for the team. See, the baton is so very important. It must be passed on well. And the baton that we're going to be talking about today actually represents God's promise to Abraham. We are to keep hold and not drop God's promises. And like athletes, we need to constantly practice under the guidance of our coach. And of course, our coach is Jesus. You see, right back in the beginning of the Old Testament, in Genesis 17, God makes a covenant with Abraham. He gives him a baton. He tells him that he is going to be the father of a multitude of nations and kings shall come from him. A promise that finds its fulfillment in Jesus. If you remember, the New Testament starts in chapter 1 of Matthew with the genealogy of Jesus. And 14 generations from Abraham to David is what the topic of this series has been all about. About David, 
the culmination of those 14 generations. And what we're looking at today is, is he, David, is he still carrying that baton? Because we don't want him to drop it, do we? You see, if we go back to Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy from Abraham all the way to, through to Jesus is 42 generations. And if you look at some of the famous names on that list, well, obviously, there's Abraham, there's Isaac, there's Jacob, there's David, Solomon, all the way up to Jesus, the Christ child, the saviour of the world. 41 baton changes, not like three in an Olympic Games. So let's recap David's life so far of what we've learned about him. Well, we started, if you remember, in 1 Samuel 16, and things were going quite well. See, God sees his heart and chooses David to be the next baton carrier. David is secretly chosen to be king after Saul by God. And then the following week, we went into chapter 17, which told the story of David and Goliath. For 40 days, Goliath kept coming out in front of the Israelite soldiers and saying, Send a man to fight me! Well, Saul was really worried about this and he needed somebody to go and fight Goliath. So he promised whoever fought Goliath and slayed him could marry his daughter. And of course, we know David took up that, slayed the giant, and of course, then goes on and marries Saul's daughter, Michal. He also becomes great friends with Saul's sons, Jonathan. And he, because he's now a hero, he's becoming really, really popular. And Saul becomes very jealous of him and it becomes too much. And so David has to leave the court and ends up living in a cave in a place called Agilum. And a bit like every family, there's lots of up and downs in David's relationship with Saul and Jonathan. And then at the end of 1 Samuel, Saul and Jonathan and most of Saul's other sons, they die in a battle with the Philistines at Mount Gilboa. So then we went into 2 Samuel. Well, to cut a long story short, we get to baton change number 13. David becomes thing, uh, king and things start to go a little bit haywire. David shows lots of good qualities. He loves God, etc. But he also has many weaknesses. For example, we heard, didn't we, about the story of his relationship with Bathsheba. But out of that comes a son, a boy called Solomon. But in total, David has eight wives, ten sons, and one daughter. And his three eldest sons, Amnon, Absalom, and Chilion, are all killed or die during David's lifetime. So in summary, he's gone from being a young shepherd boy to being a hero, to being king. And then amongst many other things we've learned over this series, he's, he's an adulterer, he's a murderer, he's a bad parent, he's a liar. But the amazing thing is that throughout it all, when he fell down, he got up again. And he never dropped that baton that God had given him. 
we know that in his, his lowest moments, he wrote some of the most beautiful, beautiful psalms that showed his heart and his love for God. And God knew his heart, and he's always faithful to his promises. And despite all David's inadequacies and failings, he was still God's chosen baton carrier. So that brings us to the story today. This is baton change number 14. It's not going too well. David is now old and frail. And he doesn't seem to have made clear what his or God's plan is for handing over the baton. Adonijah clearly assumes that as the eldest surviving son, he is the heir apparent and tries to grab the baton. And he goes off with all those people listed in the passage to prepare for his impending coronation. But you notice he doesn't take with him Nathan the prophet and his brother Solomon with him. No, he just takes those who are in the royal officials of Judah. If you remember, there are tensions between the tribes of Judah and Israel, and we, we learned about those in the books of Samuel. So Nathan the prophet goes to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, and tells her what is happening. Now, it's not clear in this passage if David has promised Solomon as king to Bathsheba. But yes, he has. And we actually can see that by looking at 1 Chronicles chapter 28. David has assembled all the royal officials of the house of Israel in Jerusalem. And he said to them this, All of my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen Solomon my son to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He said to me, it is Solomon, your son, who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if he continues strong in keeping my commandments and my rules as he is today. See, Solomon is God's chosen baton carrier. Now David, as I've said, is clearly getting old and doesn't know what's happening around him. And Bathsheba is concerned that if, uh, unless Solomon is anointed king by David before he dies, both her and Solomon will be, king, uh, will be killed by Adonijah. So Nathan the prophet and Bathsheba act swiftly and intervene and they go to David and tell him what's happening. So David calls all his top men together and tells them to make Solomon king of Israel and Judah. So we go into chapter 2 now and we see what God really wants us to learn. See, David is about to die. It's time to pass on the baton. And these are the words that he gives to Solomon, who's baton carrier number 15. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong. 
and show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. To rule, Solomon needs to observe what God requires. Be strong, walk in his ways, keep his decrees and commandments as is written in the law of Moses. And then in verses 5 to 9, it's, we're given a list of issues uh, and a lot of names that are very difficult to, uh, to, to read, so uh, I'll let you read that yourself. But basically what it is, it's a list of issues that David should have dealt with. So it's not the best of baton changes really, is it? David is leaving poor old Solomon a bit of a mess to clear up. And then our series story comes to an end in verses 10 to 12 as David dies. Then David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of David, his father, and his kingdom was firmly established. And that's where our story ends. But I know you're all wanting to know what happens to Adonijah and all the others that King David mentions in verses 5 to 9. Well, in the rest of chapter 2, from verses 13 to 46, you can read in detail, how Solomon follows his father's dying wishes. He's carrying out judgment against those who threaten the peace of Israel. In short, they die. Despite some of them being given every opportunity by Solomon to live out the rest of their lives in exile, under house arrest. But in verse 46, at the end, it says this. So the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. The baton has been passed on successfully. And God's plan continues on. And despite some tricky moments, the baton hasn't been dropped. It continues on its path until it's placed safely in the hands of Jesus. The ultimate and glorious holder. The last baton holder. The fulfilment of God's promise of salvation is all found in Jesus. He crosses the finishing line on Good Friday when he dies on the cross for us, for our sins. And he conquers death and he rises on Easter Sunday in that glorious resurrection. At the end of an Olympic Games, they light a torch from the flame that is never allowed to go out. 
And a relay then takes place, taking that flame to the next site of the next games. It's very much the similar thing for us. We are called to be God's torchbearers. Our baton is like an Olympic torch. We are to take his light and share it with everyone as we move towards that glorious day when Christ will return. So as we come to the end of this series on David, how can we apply what we've learned to our lives today? You see, David starts well, but then he lets life pull him away at times from God and into the ways of the world. Does that sound familiar? Have you dropped the baton, your torch? Do you feel like you've failed and it's all too much? Have you not dropped the baton, but you're not concentrating on staying in the right lane? You're busy looking at what's going on in the other lanes around you, about what's going on in the outside world. Have you dropped the baton because you've done something wrong? Because you're addicted to things that you know you shouldn't be addicted to? Or it might be that you're just hearing about this amazing person called Jesus and you're thinking, actually, I'd quite like to take hold of that baton. Well, what do you have to do? You have to be just like David. Because he was just like you and me. Always getting things wrong. But what he did was, he just picked it up. He said he was sorry. And he continued the race. You see, God knew his heart. And he knows your heart. And he will never give up on his promise to you. So how do we do this? on a regular basis. We do it by daily going to him and having a conversation with him. We go to him in prayer. We read the word on a daily basis. We just go on loving God. It says in Matthew 22 verse 37 this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. You might have just heard those words a little bit earlier in verse 4 of chapter 2. Stand up for biblical truths. You can join or support organisations that are fighting those causes. You can share the gospel at every opportunity with people. Bring your children up to love and serve the Lord. But most importantly, we are called to live our lives differently, shining as beacons of light. After all, we are sons and daughters of the King. So in summary, and to bring this series to a conclusion, how do we run the race well? Simple. Stay faithful to God. Let me just read you verses 2 and 3 of chapter 2 again. 
I am about to go the way of all the earth. David is telling Solomon here, he's about to die because that's where everybody in the earth goes. Everything dies. It's a certainty. But when you trust in God, you have a promise that you have an eternal life after your earthly death. So I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways, keeping his statutes and his commandments, his rules and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses. Build your relationship with God constantly. Prepare to receive the baton if you haven't already. If you already have it, keep hold of it tightly. Prepare to pass it on. Pass on your torch, your baton, well. The Apostle Paul was probably one of the greatest baton carriers for Christ in all of the Bible. And as he was facing death by execution, he wrote these words to Timothy, and you can find them in 2 Timothy 2, verses 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the law, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He stayed strong. He walked in, a way, in his ways. He passed on the baton well. Let us pray. When Lynn and I were doing our daily devotions last week, uh, we do it on a, with a, an app called Lectio 365. I think I've told you this before. And one of the, the great baton holders uh, of the Christian faith is a guy called Benedict of Nursia. And he wrote these words. As we make progress in our way of life and in faith, as our heart expands with the inexpressible sweetness of love, we shall run along the path of God's commandments. Lord, our prayer today as we come to the end of this series on David is that we confess all our sins to you and we repent of them. We thank you that you have forgiven us, but not only that you have given us your Holy Spirit to live inside us, guiding us daily in our walk with him. Help us, Lord, so that our hearts expand with that inexpressible sweetness of your love and teach us and guide us to stay strong as we run along your path today and forever. And we ask this in the blessed name of Jesus. 
Amen.